Um, so again, welcome to those of you that are on the live stream. Many of you, you know, there's a, there's a bad bug going around, right? And I'm not talking about the coronavirus and, and, and that either, but there's, there's, a, there's a bad flu going around. So if you're home and you're trying to warm up and all that kind of stuff, then we welcome you. You know what's interesting about the live stream? You might have a number like, like five on the live stream, but rarely is it single people. It's always a family. It's nor, almost normally a family. At the least, it's two people. So if it says 10, you can almost guarantee it's like 20 at the least, you know, stuff like that. So that's the neat thing, because I've, I've gotten, you know, many comments from people saying that the whole family sat and watched. And meanwhile, members of that family don't even darken the door of the church, which is really kind of an interesting dynamic that's happening. But anyway, that's, that, that, uh, um, that little advertisement was promoted by the, the leadership of this church, so thank you. you know. um, <laughs> a little promotion. Um, you know, we're, we've been talking the last number of we, weeks about, you know, the times in our lives when life be, just, just throws us into pieces, that, that life throws us into a bit of a disarray. You know, last week we talked about a really difficult subject. We talked about grief. And the week before we talked about suffering, you know. Um, there, are definitely, there are definitely things that happen in our lives where we need to reassemble. We need to kind of focus. We need to to work through it in a way that, that we long to see some normalcy in our lives, that, that, that things kind of find an equilibrium, that things, you know, feel like they should. You know, we can't always put up, you know, a, an, an exact picture of what that looks like, how that feels, but there, there are times that life just throws us into kind of an incredible disarray and we're not talking about just suffering. We're not talking about just grief. But there's times where, uh, you know, things happen in our life that just get chaotic. It could be work. It could be relationships. It could be, you know, even church, right? You know, there, there are just times where life just throws you something that, that really takes you off, off balance, right? And this whole idea of, of chaos in, in, in life. It's very, it's very common. It's very normal. You know, we live in, in one of the most stressed societies in history, that, that people are just trying to keep it together. In fact, what's really disturbing to me is the number of young kids who are experiencing, you, you know, stress levels and, and, and things in their lives that, that I never dreamed of as a kid myself, that, that just never became part of the equation growing up, you know? And I don't know if my parents were, you know, particularly overprotective, you know? But the reality is uh, I didn't experience that with even the other kids that, that I hung around for a long, long time. You know, the experiences of what young people are going through today is something that, you know, um, is an indicator of the kind of culture and society that, that, that we're in. There's a lot, of, a lot of chaos. And I just, you know, I want to talk about that, that chaos, and I want to I put quickly four things that happen in our lives when, when chaos ensues, you know, when our lives feel the most chaotic. Number one is when we lack understanding, you know. Something happens, and, and you know, we talked last week that one of the most debilitating questions when it comes to grief is the question, Why? Why did this happen? Why now? Why to me? Why to them? Why couldn't it be? You know, all that kind of stuff. And there's times where chaos enters into our lives because we just lack the understanding. It's, it's just, there's more questions than, than what is in the particular event. And, and we've all been there where we have this lack of understanding and that throws us into chaos. And many times we just want an answer. I mean, you know, how many, I don't know how many times people have come to me and said, I just want an answer. Like, I, it's almost like, 
once I have an answer, I know how to deal with it. I know how to work with it. I know, I know what I have to do next, right? So just not having an answer is, is difficult enough. Okay, so, you know, that's one of the chaotic things. The second thing is when we lack control, okay? Now, none of, nobody in this room is controlling, okay? I'm talking about other people. All right, but there's a sense in which we, we want to be able to say, yeah, I've, I've, I fully got this. You know, um, I'm okay. I'm, I'm in control of the situation. But when we feel like this train is running over us and there's nothing we can do about it and it's, it's like you can't stop it. And it's even worse when you see the train and the headlight coming and, and there's, you, you can't even move out of the way. It's going to hit. And you're just saying, when is it going to happen? And, and, and even before the train hits, you're already in chaos. You're already feeling that, that chaotic kind of situation. The third thing is when we lack, you know, um, well, when we experience change, okay? Now, when we experience change, uh, most of us don't, don't like change. It, you know, in, in some ways, it upsets, you know, the normal balance of how, of how we do things, right? That's why change in a church is really difficult because everybody likes things as they are. Otherwise, they'd be somewhere else. They wouldn't be here, right? And that's kind of like the, 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 the pushback I always get. But if you change it, you know, maybe people will leave, all right? But the reality is, is... You know, as chaotic as it can feel, change can be healthy, okay? But a lot of times for people, this, 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 is, this is the safe place, you know? And when a safe place is being changed, that's really difficult for many people to experience. It throws their life into some kind of chaos. The last thing is, you know, when we become overwhelmed. And this is a little bit of a control thing, you know, but... But it's, it's interesting to me in, in, in our lives how quickly life can get chaotic through one simple telephone call. You ever, ever gotten that call, you know? Um, you know, the, the test came back okay, but the x-ray shows, you know. And in space of 30 seconds, your whole life just got chaotic. And there are times in our lives where we just get overwhelmed. And it's like, you know, and overwhelmed is almost, oh, we lost control, we've lost understanding, you know. The, the change is not something that we would have ever invited to ourselves. But that's, that's the reality, that, that life in one way or another is chaotic. Now, that's one thing to talk about, you know, being in chaos and our lives being chaotic. But what happens after the chaos ensues is what do you do with it? Where do you run to? That's a big indicator in many people's lives of what is, you know, the thing that they rely on in the midst of chaos. Like, where do you, where do you run to when you're overwhelmed, when you lack understanding, when you're no longer in control? What is it that you depend on? Where does your, where does your hope lie, you know? And, and a lot of times, I, you know, and, and I know this is kind of a crazy part of what I do for a living, but as a, as a pastor, I'm always interested to watch people in the midst of the most difficult, chaotic situations in their lives of where they run to. Where do they go? Many people, you, you know, um, try, try to fill in all of these things, you know, with a number of different, different ways, okay? Um, you, you know, um, we have all kinds of crux, cruxes in our lives that we depend on in the difficult situations to help kind of 
level us out when these things happen in our lives. Okay? So what is it that you run to? Where is it that you go? And of course, as a pastor, I'm going to advocate that you run to God, right? Okay? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit. Here's, here's a proverb that, that uh, is really interesting. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Okay? Most people would love the great treasure at any cost. Okay? But the reality is, you know, have inner calamity, inner chaos, inner turmoil. That's, that's what the Hebrew word is talking about. It's talking about the chaos, the tohu, the bohu. That happens in people's lives where everything is empty. It's void. It's, 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 it's in, you know, this, this chaos that no matter what, the resources or whatever great treasure they have, whatever it is that they have, doesn't give them the kind of peace, the kind of stability, the kind of ability to move past the chaos in order that they, they can stand at the end of it. Many, many people are in, you know, living their lives that essentially they're nothing more than in a fetal position every morning because they just can't bear the next day. So where do you run to? Where do you run to? I'm going I'm to take us to a passage in Isaiah, in Isaiah 45. And it's a beautiful passage. Because in, in the short couple of verses that we're going to look at, this is uh, powerful. Now, the entire chapter is summarized by four words. Okay? You can, you can kind of take the entire chapter of Isaiah 45 and summarize it in four words. The first one is Cyrus, if you know who that is. Cyrus became the king of Persia. Okay? The interesting about thing about being introduced at the very beginning of this chapter is Cyrus wasn't even born yet. Almost 200 years before Cyrus even showed up on the planet, Isaiah is talking about a person who will come who will send the Israelites back out of exile to the promised land that God had given them. So the Israelite people are in exile. They are in chaos right now. Their whole worlds have been upset. And here is God in this chapter talking about bringing them back and really um, beginning a process of doing the miraculous. See, we often think about Exodus, for instance, in terms of God taking them out of places. But here's a different type of Exodus where God has taken them out of exile and bringing them back into the land again. Okay? So this is kind of like the second exilic period for the Israelite people. So that's the second word is exile. The people are in exile, and God is promising that that it's not going to last very long. In fact, another prophet said it was only going to last 70 years. Okay, this prophetic picture of, of how long God had predicted this exile to happen. The third thing, the third word is idols. The Israelite people had become so, you know, um, you know had, had walked away from God and were worshiping idols. Things in their lives that could really give them nothing. And, and idols is, is, you know, in, in a very simple way. Okay, idols replace our worship of God. Anything that, that we worship, anything that, that we need in our lives to such a degree that is the thing that we have to have more than God is an idol. And the reality is, is you become what you idolize, whatever it is. 
So if, you become, if money becomes an idol for you, you will become greedy, you know, all those kinds of negative characteristics about what money, you know, that's just the way that the Bible portrays things. So you have to be very careful what you idolize. But the last word of the four is salvation. That God is giving the promise of salvation. That even though they're in exile, even though they've, you know, uh, been worshiping idols, even though, you know, um, they've had to be disciplined, that God is going to raise up a person by the name of Cyrus who's going to help them to get back to the promised land and begin a whole new era of God's working in their lives of salvation and all of that. And it's a beautiful thing. So here they are in chaos. And God in chapter 45 is reminding them of a number of things that are really, really important. And they're good for us to remember today. And here are the things. For the Lord is God and he created... Uh, can you back up just... Thanks, James. Sorry. I, I jumped ahead of you. Um, for the Lord is God and he created the heavens and the earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and only what is right. Isn't that that a beautiful Beautiful passage. There's, okay, I want to give you five things really quick out of this passage that God is reminding the Israelites that is true today for us. Okay? And number one is this. Trusting God in the midst of chaos, the Lord is God and there is no other. We talked, we talked earlier that when chaos ensues in your life, where do you run to? This is what's being reminded uh, to the Israelites from God. Is that you can run wherever you want to run. But ultimately, it's a dead end. It's a detour. It's, it's not going to get you what you need. The only place you need to run to is to me because there is none other. What is beautiful thing about the book of Isaiah is he talks about the uniqueness of God, that you know, God doesn't need somebody else's advice. God created everything. God doesn't need someone else in order to feel well, to be healthy or to you know, to, to be whole or anything like that. There's chaos in, in, in God just doesn't exist. And if you want to run to something that is stable, if you want to run to something that is real, if you want to run to something in the midst of the chaos that'll give you a foundation, there is none other than, than the Lord. For the Lord is God. For Yahweh is God. And, that's, and that's, that's a proclamation that's made in the Bible many, many, many times. That, you know, be careful what you chase. Like the book of Ecclesiastes says, if you're going to chase after the wind, it's going to take, it's, you're not going to be able to get your hands on it because it's, it's, it's hopeless. It's fruitless. It's just, it's just wind in your hands. Okay? There's nothing solid about it. You're just chasing the wind. In fact, you don't even know when it's going to turn on you. Okay, here's the second one. God brings order out of chaos. He created the heavens and earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. Now, this goes back to Genesis, right? You know, um, you know the world was empty and without form. The Hebrew in that particular is tohu vabohu. 
Okay, that's, that's the, the, the beautiful two words that's used in the Hebrew there. But tohu and vabohu are used in other contexts in the Old Testament. And the word tohu is being used here. That there isn't chaos. That God put everything in order. God meant for life to be orderly, to be, to be right. Not for life to be chaotic. You know, if there's one thing that the fall brought into the world is the sense of chaos. The sense of conflict. The sense of nothing being right. Okay, And this actually speaks to paganism in, the, in, in that day, right? That's the re- reality. Paganism taught that the gods came out of the chaos. That this chaotic thing, and the gods were formed out of the chaos. They en- ended up you know, structuring the chaos, and then they thought about humanity. And the only reason they created humanity was to be servants to the gods, okay? That, you know, that, that's, that's, and that's what this is speaking against. In, in all of this. But God says, I created the world for you. It was orderly. It was structured. It was for your benefit. That it's a place of beauty and a place where life can be enjoyed. And, it, and it's a, I, I think it's a beautiful picture of the creative nature of God. And to remind us that this isn't what it should be. And yes, today is chaotic weather-wise. Okay? Here's number three. We can depend on his promises. I publicly proclaim bold promises. I love that. You know, I've told you. And, and, and for the Israelites who are, who are in exile... He has promised to bring them back out of that exile. He's promised the salvation that he's going to give them, that when they throw away their idols, when they get back in their hearts with God, that the change is going to come, that they're going to see the promised land again. It's not going to last forever. And he's talked about these promises boldly in front of them. And we know historically that every time, biblically speaking, that's the beautiful thing about the Bible being written over 1,600 years is that God is making promises at the beginning of the Bible that we see fulfilled throughout the Bible through the years and the centuries that it was there, okay? Many people don't realize how many fulfilled prophecies, how many prophecies are actually fulfilled within the 1,600 years of the Bible. Because we talk about prophecy, we talk about just the prophecies that we know are centered purely on the future. But there are so many within the Bible themselves that have been fulfilled, And that's the beautiful thing about the Bible is that we can rely on it because historically we have this pattern of God says something, God does something, the promise is fulfilled, and God moves on to the next promise. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Here's here's number four. God is within easy reach. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. How many times do you think God is hiding on you? Or how many times do you think he's distant? Or how many times do you think God is right there? That God is available whenever we seek him with all our heart. You know, this actual passage is talking about, um, you know, the spiritism and stuff like that, that that existed at that time, that they used to chirp in dark corners and, 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 and do kind of pagan rituals and all this kind of stuff. And that's what, you know, is being talked about here. This isn't a mystery. 
This isn't something that you have to run to an idol and do kind of really weird things. That I am in plain sight and I am, you know, plain communication that you don't have to, you know, run up the mountain and look for the sage, you know, and ask him what the meaning of life is. If you seek the Lord, he can be found. Here's the last thing. God will not mislead us. I love how, how this, these two, you know, these, these two verses, this is only two verses. I can't remember how many verses there are on chapter 45. It's a long chapter. But this is, this is only two verses. And, and look at this. God would not mislead us. That God speaks only what is true and declares only what is right. In fact, this is, when we say amen, this is what the Hebrew term amen means. That what we're saying is absolutely right, is confirmed by God, and we declare it as confirmed by God. So this is a big amen. amen. That God doesn't lead us astray. That, you know, imagine, imagine if I stood up here for even a second and thought God was a liar. What would I be doing to you? Sometimes what we have to say up here is really hard. But the reality is, is God speaks what is true and God speaks what is right. And that's the beautiful thing of what I get to do is speak the words of God that will take the chaos out of your life and help you to focus on him and put your feet on solid ground and a beautiful foundation. Because God wouldn't leave us you know, I've only got a few minutes, but, th- but this, entire, this entire thing echoes the life of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came into the world, okay, in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our darkness, and he actually experienced the darkness on our behalf and recreated us into new, new beings and transformed that darkness into glorious light with all the promises of God for eternity and changed everything. I love, uh, you know, just let me close with this particular verse um, to remind us. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. Now, why would Jesus say that? Because Jesus knows the ups and downs of life. Jesus knows that there are going to be questions that enter into our lives. There are going to be seasons that enter into our lives where, you know, we don't feel in control. We don't feel like we have understanding. You know, we're experiencing change. Like all of those things we talked about at the very beginning. And Jesus has given us his word, his teaching, and actually experienced the worst possible thing that we all fear in this lifetime. And he said, if you follow these teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Is life feeling chaotic for you? Where are you running in the midst of the chaos? Are you running to God? Or are you running to something that's nothing more than a dead end or a detour? Are you tired? Trust God. That's what this whole series has been about. 
that in the midst of the seasons and the chaos that happens, trust God. I, I have a beautiful story of Erwin McManus who um, we talked about, I can't remember what book it was in, but he was talking about his one young son and they were sending him off to Christian camp. Now he thought his son was going to be safe in Christian camp, okay? Because they don't talk about ghosts and stuff at camp. But what he didn't realize is that they do talk about Satan and evil angels. And his poor son came home and couldn't sleep, okay, for doing that. So the little boy one day says to, says to Erwin, he says, Daddy, can you pray for me to be safe? And Erwin says, no, I'm not going to pray for you to be safe. In fact, I'm going to pray that you are dangerous, that you are so dangerous in your faith that no matter what the devil throws at you, he's the one that's going to run. As Christians, we are, or we have, the potential to be dangerous. But in a good way. That when things are thrown at us, we have a God that we can run to, who is faithful and true, and will dissipate, dissipate the chaos and give you peace. Let's pray. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for... um, the time that we've been able to gather around the table and be reminded of the unity that we have in you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for those who are listening online. Thank you for those that are here this morning. We pray as we walk away today that we, like the Israelites in exile, will be reminded of the wonderful promises that we have in you. That yeah, life can get chaotic. That's just life. But it's where we run to that makes all the difference in the world. You've promised to be there. You've even promised to carry us through those moments. And you've promised to give us peace. But most of all, You have promised to simply be there. So Lord, thank you for that recognition this morning as we offer up ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.